Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Okay, let's go back to the book. So first act, you're going to know where you are, mm-hmm. what I have, what I've accumulated, what my, um, what my assets and debts are, and what my headwinds are moving forward. And then the second act is, is really talking about investments, you know, real estate, stock market, gold, Bitcoin, and really write very nice things about Bitcoin, but well, crypto um, is massive now, and it's not going away for at least. No, a it isn't. I just had a meeting the other day because I'm taking a course, um, finishing up a course to become licensed as a real estate broker, and we were brainstorming with a couple of people about integrating real estate and crypto. People have started to do that. There yeah. was, I saw something about one of the largest real estate companies will start accepting tenant payments in crypto. Yeah, it's some interesting stuff. We're, we're actually looking at what about actually, what about actually, you know, purchasing houses with, with crypto. We'll probably and, be able to very shortly. What are, but there's a question of the, um, there's a question of basis that we haven't quite figured out yet. So, so if you had, if you bought Bitcoin at a dollar 10 years ago, or however long ago it was, and now it's mm-hmm. worth $30,000, you have a, a capital gain. Right. But if you then use that as a fungible asset, ah, let's say, let's, how's it going to get say you, better? Well, let's say you bought a house for 10 Bitcoin, right? Technically, it costs, you, it costs you $10, but the house is $300,000 because Bitcoin's at 30000 Do you get an uplift in basis, right? And this is, you know, these are kind of- And what's questions. the government going to do with that when you sell it? Right, because because right now, if if there's- if everything is pegged to the dollar and you're converting and you have to convert to the dollar before it's before it's fungible, then obviously if I sold my Bitcoin for 30,000 and I made a $29,999 capital gain, right. there, there's a there's a trail for that. But if I never actually liquidate the asset, if I just essentially- If I trade, just keep transferring it. Oh, it's beautiful. Right, so if I trade that asset for the house- Why not? Right, so now- Why not? You know, I use the term launder, even though that's a kind of a drug. <laughs> that would be legal laundering. Your, your that would be fully of, legal laundering under the current rule set. Yeah, they don't the, have rules for this yet. One of the biggest, you know, uh, I wrote about this in my book. One of the biggest go- um, government giveaways tax-wise is what's called step up in basis, right? Um, Which so is if you, it's, it's called, ste- you, know, it's, you get a, what's called a step up in basis. Mm-hmm. So as an example, husband and wife, right? You've got a bunch of stocks in a portfolio. You bought them for a dollar. You bought Amazon for a dollar. It's now worth, you know, $3,500, mm-hmm. right? And you die. And, and that money goes, the husband dies and it gives it to the wife, right? Yeah. The wife gets an uplift in basis to the day he died. So what does that, that mean? That means that the capital gain, that dollar to $3,500 gain, that if you were to liquidate it, you would be taxed on, Mm -hmm. goes away because it's not, the cost basis is not a dollar anymore. It's $3,500. It's dated to the day of death. It disappears. That only works when someone dies. It's a multi, multi, multi billion dollar tax giveaway. Um, 
in terms really of bequeathing funds. What's that? Yeah, oh, well, that, that's, that's one example. There are other examples where there are where there's step up, what's called step up in basis. But anyway, we're meandering around, which is okay, because I'm a nonlinear thinker, but I want for the purposes of your audience, I want to get back to the idea of this. So now the second act Are there is, engineers that are nonlinear thinkers? I guess, yes, right? Because engineers solve problems. So you can have engineers. No, I, I wear both hats. If I have to solve a problem and be a linear thinker, or if I have a client who's really a linear, linear thinker and I have to adapt to their style, mm -hmm. then I adapt to their style. But, um, my default uh, setting is to be a nonlinear thinker because my brain is kind of always going all over the place following the thread. So the second act is, okay, I know how much, so the first act is I know how much money that I have, right? We, we went through all the, all the grunt work and it's boring. And I know what I, I expect to need. I know what my expenses are. I know what my future expenses are. I can actually build a runway. So now I, now I got to look at my assets and say to myself, okay, how do I maximize these? Am I diversified? Am I, uh, if I'm afraid of the stock market, how do I learn to get involved in the stock market? A lot of people over the last um, year and a half with the pandemic, uh, you read a lot about Robin Hood, making it easy for all sorts of people to yeah. get involved with the markets. Well, uh, the market is way, way, way overbought and very frothy, and I've got lots of money in it, but I've been trading for 40 years, and I've seen multiple catastrophic declines. We have a generation of people who uh, um, are just new to the market, and they haven't, haven't seen that yet, and they're out there dumping money into the market without any particular protection, um, and the markets do hiccup. It just happens. It's not a question of if it's going to happen, it's a question of when it's going to happen and how prepared are you going to be for that? Right. So well, also if you're to... in there for the long haul, then you're fine. Yeah. How my dad used to say, how long is a piece of string, right? What's the long haul? I hear. Because, uh, because it's really funny how just when you need the money is when markets tend to hiccup. Right. That's just kind of how it works. Um, and then my, the third act is talking about a, a lot of the other minutia and esoteric things, such as social security, such as estates, such as I have a chapter I call gypsies, tramps, and thieves, all of these bear traps for people that are trying to steal your money, everything from MLMs to, to 419 scams to Ponzi schemes. What's a 419? I know what a Ponzi and an MLM is. 419 is the Nigerian, um, uh, Prince. The Nigerian Prince? Yeah, it's actually 419 uh, um, is the the uh, Nigerian code for those kind of scams. Believe it or not, they have it in their, you know, in their, they have a code for it. Right? But those scams <laughs> yeah. don't actually come from Nigeria. They're pretend. Right. Exa well, exactly. Well, okay. they, it's the, the so-called, well, they, it's just generically the Nigerian, but actually in Nigeria, they have a, a code for that because- oh, 419. Yeah. It was, it was because, there's a million of those types of scams, you know, where right. you get those emails that say, and there's somebody trying to launder, I won this lottery ticket for $25 million, but I'm not a citizen. Can you help me? Right. I, I they call that I, Spanish lotto is what that's so is. hard for me to believe that anyone falls for those still. People do. Right, they prey on unsophisticated. Right, the name of my book is FQ Financial Intelligence. I'm trying to raise the level of your financial intelligence. If you are financially intelligent, 
there's a very high likelihood that you will not fall for these scams. But it is amazing how little people know about true, I think Even I people who are successful in business don't know yeah. anything about money. Right. And I got an email yesterday from like GM Financial. We want to help you recover your loss. Do this. And my assistant is like, oh, Esty, like, do you need this? I'm like, that really looks like a scam. And <laughs> I don't think I ever gave GM Financial my work email, even though I had a leased car with GM Financial. So it even made sense, right? That's not like I didn't know. Yeah. And I even had a whole issue with them. So either they got lucky or the are actually working off a list of people yeah, who've sure. had customer service issues with GM. Um, and I was like, do a little research on the phone number that they're giving us to call because something doesn't look right. She's like, oh my gosh, you're right. I researched it. Everyone's talking about it. It's a scam. I'm like, yeah, it just, it just felt, it just felt like a scam. It felt it like fishing. Felt there was something fishing in it. Um, yeah. and those are very, the very common. Stuff as brilliant marketing, these 419 scams. And the idea is that they are purposely filtering out their right people by being so blatantly scammy. They don't want anyone intelligent or savvy to answer them. They send out millions of emails. And if every intelligent person emailed back and was interested, they'd be bombarded. They need only the most gullible and the most, um, the most financially illiterate people. Desperate, but yeah, basically those. To do this. And it's, the, it's sad and it's sickening when I see people who, get scammed. Yeah. Right? They get um, ransomware, right? What's, or they get what's uh, ransomware? The ransomware is um, when they when you, you get a virus on your so somebody sends you a phishing email, you click on it, it installs some some um, what's called ransomware on your machine. And then you get a thing that pops up on your machine that says that we've locked all your files. And you need to send us five Bitcoin. Um, it just happened with um, a big utility. Right? No way. They, they can't pay, really do that. Where they had to pay, they they paid them four and a half million dollars in order to unlock their servers. Oh, no. yeah, ransomware is very, very common. There's a huge one now going on with um uh Kaseya. It has to be illegal. 70. Of course it's illegal. These things come out so of why Russia. they pay them because they can't because there's no it. other way for them to unlock their they file. They their lock stuff. their files down. They How do they not get... have backups and backups for your backups? Well, come because on. here's 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 the issue. Um, in the case of the Kasaya breach that's going on now, they're asking for $70 million. These are coming out of Russia and China, and these are rogue actors. But the one that happened recently with the power company, the first question that popped into my mind is what software are these guys running? And then I finally was diving through the internet and I found out they're running Windows Server 2003. So they're running 18 year old software. Now here's, this is actually a good, a good discussion from the, for the, from the infrastructure silo. And yeah. it doesn't necessarily apply to really small businesses, but sometimes it does. Um, you need to be up to date on your software. Now, if you're working in a large company, what happens is it's very, it's a very arduous and expensive process just to upgrade one rev. Of soft of operating system software, right? Rev so is revision, right? So okay. if you're so you would be shocked how many companies there are out there that are running end of life, long since end of life Microsoft software. Right. You might even find people out there running Windows 95. I don't even know you can find hardware that will run Windows 95. I don't know if you can do that. But what I happens think I still is, have an old floppy disk that installs Windows 95. For yeah. like, you know, 0.98 megabytes. <laughs> right. 
Right, exactly. You just don't have a floppy drive to actually use it. But there's no floppy drive. Comes with a floppy, there's nothing yeah. comes with a floppy drive. That's so what happens is you grow your company up to a certain size and you've got servers and you've got a lot of hardware and you've got all this stuff and it becomes a giant um, uh, production out of the infrastructure silo to keep that stuff current. Because the software that's out there is so buggy and there are people out there in nefarious types who are trying to break in to your systems. And again, just like with the scams that are running, the idea is I can send out billions of these. I don't. I only need to have a couple of fools to exactly. give me free money. And it doesn't cost no anything to send them either. So it's the same thing. There are billions of machines that are connected and I can just go out if I'm a scammer and try to put my code anywhere I can. And it's gonna just find the little where holes and wherever it takes and it's gonna lock it down and you're gonna send the ransomware thing and some people will pay you and that's enough because it's free money at that particular point. So what happens is you now have a huge undertaking as your company scales up to keep that stuff secure. Sure, you can have you can have backups, right? And backups of your backups. And, and those are always best practices. But who knows if your backups are infected? And think about the time it takes to actually restore those backups while you're trying to operate a business. Totally. No, we actually had some, I'm just remembering uh, about a year and a bit ago, April of last year, right at the beginning of COVID lockdowns, our servers got hit with a massive malware. Yeah. And uh, did That's not right. know. Everyone was just like haywire because COVID happened over a holiday. Everyone was on break. By the time mm -hmm. we came back in the office, like a week later, we had missed the email that said, you know, danger. We think there's something wrong with your server. And in one week, destroyed. I tried to explain to our clients, we were hosting a number of client websites on our servers, including all of our own stuff and, and mm -hmm. systems and everything. I was like, it's like we all lived this very nice gated community together. And someone came with sticky tape. And they just sprayed it all over all of our houses. And we tried removing the sticky tape, but it was not removable. Then we tried taking the backups and the sticky tape had gotten to the backups too. We had yep. to rebuild everything from scratch. That's when I shut down our web department. I was like, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Because we're not trying to terrify your but that's your all it was. It was just not an update. The the world has gotten so complex and so detailed. And what I found when we investigated, we had to rebuild everything and right. we redid everything like the clients all won in the end because we rebuilt all their sites brand new on new softwares and new everything. Um, but it mm -hmm. was such a hassle and it was such an expensive mistake that I, for me and my programmer helped me see also, he's like, I said, the world is not the same as when we started doing this five years ago. No, it same. is not. It's a really, and, and to specialize in this, to really make sure it's secure, you have full-time people who are constantly updating, constantly upgrading, constantly shifting. And, uh, and yeah, it's, I get it. It's, <laughs> I knew we could do a 15 hour. So <laughs> tell, tell people where they can find you. Tell them how to find out more about you. Oh, uh, you, you just go to henrydas.com, H-E-N-R-Y-D-A-A-S, right? Most people spell it D-A-S-S. -S. I've been spelling my name for my entire life, and I will say D-A-S-A-S, and people will say D-A-S-S. -S. It's just <laughs> a weird thing. So I actually own Henry D-A-S-S -S also, which will take you to the right site. And it redirects. So however sort of you like, spell sort of it, like a, Sort of right like place. a porn site, if you mistype it, it's somehow, at least at least that's what I've heard. You mistype the, the porn site, and it still I takes really you to a porn site. I should really get my name and the other spelling. I never, did I ever even look into that? 
You know, I never looked into it. People spell my name wrong. They forget the E and S-D. It's E-S-T-I-E. There's an extra E. Easy enough to do. I have that. I have. uh, So if you go to henrydoss.com, it's like my, it has, you know, all my business stuff. It has uh, stuff on my screenplays. You can go read 10 pages of my screenplays. What are your screenplays about? Oh, they're all different genres. They're, um, uh, I have a coming of age story that I wrote. I have a, a what do you do with them? other than share them on your site. Um, I entered, no, I've entered them into contests and I've gotten very good feedback and I've, I've met with some, some people, uh, Hollywood people. I've met with, um, I had the CEO of AMC networks. who's a friend of my wife's. He read, he read, um, one of my screenplays. He said, I love this, but this is not what we do. You know, we buy, we go to, we go to Sundance and we buy, you know, shows that are already made. Like we don't, we don't do spec movies. Um, I do it because it's fun and I've sort of resigned to the fact that at this age, if I want to, if I ever want to see one of these made, I'm going to have to make it myself. Um, well, you self-published a book. Why not a film? I could. There's a, I, I, I have a tendency to, um, to view it with the producer's eye when I write. And I've been in a lot of different screenwriting, you know, subgroups and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people will write, like I remember reading somebody who wrote this, he wrote a pretty good story about a 25 foot alligator. <laughs> and, um, and I read the thing, I said, you know what, it's good, but at looking at it from the producer's perspective, you've got $20 million of CGI in here. Right. I said, so I don't know how you're gonna get something like this produced. I said, my suggestion to you is you could do kind of what they did with Jaws, uh, where a lot of stuff is done from the point of view of this gigantic alligator but save that save the reveal of the alligator to the third act right because it's just a lot cheaper to do that you're just shooting through the alligator's eyes you don't actually see it that's Um, pretty cool yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot to it and there's a lot of there's a lot of business lessons to be learned in understanding storytelling you know story and business um especially i'm working with a client now on a pitch deck Right. And I keep reminding them like this isn't, you know, you're, you're asking people to open their walls. This is a movie. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're pitching this thing to this group, this is a movie. They need to know what the genre is, what, you know, the inciting incident. What is what are, what can they expect out of this movie? They need to know that know that immediately. Right. Like slide one. They need to know what they're in for. Just like when you go into the movie theater, you need to know within like the first two minutes. What what is this? Is it a horror movie? Is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Right. Um, and everything tells that. you that the lighting, the music, the tone, the language, everything. the travel, like every single bit of it from elements of light to sound to imagery tells you right away what it is. Yeah. Now, every once in a while, somebody will do a twist where you think it's a horror movie, but it's actually a comedy. Right. But that's, you know, that's a technique for for skilled uh, filmmakers. But there are applications for um for storytelling within business all the time. Think about your sales and marketing. Think about messaging that you were talking about earlier, right? What is your messaging? What's the message that you want to put out to the world? Right. right? I always think of messages like your thesis there. statement. Like most people, I always think of messages like your thesis statement, right? Most of us have gone through school. What is that main point you're trying to make? What's the thesis? Yeah. What's the one thing? If people remember one thing about you, what you do. What is that thing? That's your core message. Everything else is language that you wrap around it, whether you use mm-hmm. those exact words or not. But what's the thing you want people to remember about you? Distill it. That's your thesis statement. Everything else you say, that's you know supporting evidence, paragraphs. Right, but if people don't buy into that, 
like I was just talking to one of my clients yesterday. I said, look, if, if you if you're looking for something to watch, or like we just we moved here and we cut the we decided to make the bold step of cutting the cord, even though we're pretty tech. Um, so we don't have any, you know, everything's over the internet, but it's just kind of weird because we're used to turning on a TV, having a station come on. And now we don't. Now it's a menu. Right. And, I, and now it's a gigantic menu because I subscribe to everything. So it's HBO Max. <laughs> it's, it's all Hulu choice. Nothing's being fed to you. It's not I like this is your daily programming. You know, it's like I'm watching a series and I can't remember like which service it's on. <laughs> so it's a very, very different. There's thing. an app for that. Yeah, I bet you there has there's to an be app for that. There's an app to find where different things play. But I'm going to have to. Find I out. used it actually to find a movie more because I was like, OK, this must be playing on one of the stores instead of clicking four apps being like, I only have four. I'm like, where is this thing? Like, you know what? Let me just open the one thing, put in the thing I want to watch. Tell me where it is. It's like a Travago for. <laughs> yeah, no, it just has it's like an index. It's like an index. It tells you so, where everything is. So when you go and you look for a movie, the um there's a one sentence description of the movie that's referred to as that's called the log line right okay so the log line is that so so we were talking about it in terms of uh, doing investor pitches to raise money so i'm saying look an investor is going to look at this deck as you present it and you you're, you got to present him with a log line mm -hmm. and you'll look at that and you'll say you you know you have you have really two choices yeah i, I want to see that that sounds interesting Nah, I don't like it. Or maybe, right? So, what do you do if the if there's a maybe with the log line? Oh, let's watch the trailer, mm -hmm. right? So then you watch the trailer, and then you're going to go through the same sort of thing. You watch the trailer and you say, Nah, it's not working for me. Or yeah, let's watch it. Or the, the again, the third alternative is going to be, well, I'm still on the fence about it, but I'm going to add it to my list. Right. And then, or maybe I do want to watch it, but I just don't feel like watching it now because I'm not in the mood for a rom-com. I'm in the mood for, you know, a horror movie. I want to be scared, whatever it might be. Yeah. And the same thing applies when you're, when you're doing a pitch to the investors, you want them. Some of them are going to look at what you're doing early on and say, yeah, I, I get it. You know, tell me more and tell, tell it to me now. I want to watch this thing now. Yeah. And others are going to look at it and say, nah, sorry, dude, you lost me. And then they're going to be the, the largest, the sort of the fattest part of the bell curve is going to be the people who are kind of intrigued, but now they need to see more, right? And so yeah. now you've got to be able to prevent the, present them with what I call the trailer. It's like, what's the trailer? All right. So they know what the movie's about. You gave them the one, one sentence. I mean, every pitch starts with the blah, blah, blah business is broken and our new fancy widget um, <laughs> fixes it. We just need $20 million in order to, to get it off the ground, right? Yeah. Um, so, but that process goes on in people's brains. So as the entrepreneur, I'm like, yeah, I got to put you in the position of the audience, right? You've got to, you know, you've got to look at it from that, from that perspective. You're an investor with a checkbook and you want them to write, you want them to open a checkbook and write checks to you. So what do they want to see? Right. Right. I love uh, that's it. A whole, that's they a told whole you, thing. 15 hours, 15 hours. We're 15 to, yeah. hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I didn't warn you about this, uh, but I do like to ask all my guests at the end for a quote. It does not have to be a favorite one of all time, but it can be, but I love how quotes kind of wrap up everything to send people on their way. Um, a quote. Um, I have a million of them. I'm like the king of idioms. Um, uh, wow. 
Whatever um, comes to mind. I'm going to give you the one that I, that's actually uh, that that I um, that goes back to the beginning of this conversation okay. about being an entrepreneur. And somebody asked me on another podcast. They said, you know, what what really was the the driving um, the impetus? And I said, I what I said to myself back when I before I started my first business was, and this is a little bit off color, but I'm gonna you can bleep it out if you want to. <laughs> I said, if I have to wake up every morning and go to work for some asshole, it might as well be me. <laughs> right. And that like is really, it. really the absolute gospel truth. I like that. I have to wake up and go to work for someone. May as well be me. Yeah. Very cool. Henry, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. And for you listening, you know someone who needs to hear this. I'm going to listen to this one again. We covered so many things. I love the CODFISH acronym. Anyone who's running a business needs to make sure they're covering all seven of these. Um, I love the education on money. I like learning about 419 and Barney Google, actually. So there have been a lot of fun things that we covered in a very short time. I'm sure we could do more. So share the love, share the insight, share the education and the information and the inspiration and share this episode and subscribe because more very cool things are coming and you don't want to miss them. I know you don't. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?